The scripture reading is Psalm 23. Psalm 23. A well-known psalm. Psalm 23, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over, and surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And it's through those last few, wor- uh, the last few words in the last half of the verse 6 that we want to look at this psalm this afternoon. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And it makes you ask the question, what is the house of the Lord really like? And so we want to stand still for a moment with this psalm this afternoon and, and try to have that perspective the view of the Father's house. Because in Acts 7, it says, The Most High does not dwell in temples made by hands, but heaven is my throne, and earth is my footstool. Solomon built a temple that they lost count of how much gold and, and silver was used to build it. Such a magnificent temple, and yet Solomon himself had to confess, Heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain God. How much less this temple that I built? So Psalm 104 really speaks of the house of the Lord as being the universe that He created. It speaks of Him being the creator of it all. He covers Himself with a garment, it says. He, he stretches out the heavens like a curtain, and He lays the beams of His upper chambers into waters. He makes the clouds His chariots, and He walks on the wings of the wind. If we think of that, that magnificence and the, the expanse of what we might think of as God's house, heaven. He's a spirit and He dwells beyond what we can think. He inhabits eternity. Yet in the psalm it says, and I will, David says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And so that's our theme, in the house of the Lord forever. With two main thoughts. First, the shepherd's presence. The shepherd's presence in the house of the Lord forever. The shepherd's, the shepherd's presence, the shepherd will be there in the house of the Lord. The great shepherd of his sheep is the one who inhabits this house. And the greatest blessing, the greatest benefit for the believer is that they will be in the presence of this shepherd, in the presence of the Lamb forever. In this world, it doesn't matter how big your house is or how expensive or how, how, how beautiful it is. If there's no one in there and you go there, it can feel so cold and so empty. 
You've got to visit the people in the house, not the house itself. And heaven would be nothing without God who created it. And so the believer's desire is to be with God in his house, with God. Job said in Job 19, After my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself. My eye shall behold and not another. How my heart yearns within me to desire to be in the house of the Lord with the Lord. And the opposite side, the greatest distress of the, soul, of the soul is when it cannot see God. Job also relates this in Job 23 where it says he, he looked ahead and God was not there. He looked backwards and he could not perceive God. To the left or to the right, he, he couldn't see God in anything that was happening. But to be in the house of the Lord is to be in the presence of the Lamb of God. Revelation 21.3 says, and I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. And they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and will be their God. And this was also the shepherd's desire, to have all the sheep with him forever. Jesus said in John 17, Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory that you have given me. And then when he saw Mary, after he rose from the dead, he, he said, I ascend to my Father and to your Father, and to my God and to your God. It's his desire to have his people with him. And that's also the shepherd's work, to bring every one of his people there. He came to this earth to find them, to seek those lost sheep, those who have wandered away, he came to seek and to save that which was lost and to return them to himself. And there he gathered them and there he led them. Isaiah 40.10 says, He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. And that's how Christ leads his people through this life. He comes to gather them. He leads every one of them at, his, at their own pace. Some he carries along, others he guides, others he leads, and some he protects and, and he provides for them. And he also prepared a place where he's leading them to. John 14, verse 1 says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Christ prepared that place in his Father's house for his people by his own suffering and death on the cross. There he purchased them with his own blood, a good shepherd who, who laid down his life for his people, for his sheep. And then he says, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. And where I am, there you also may be. And that word receive really means to, to take, to lead. Christ will come and lead, take his people to himself. He will take them to himself. And that is because Christ himself, he, as a good shepherd, allowed himself to be taken away, to be, to be led away by wicked hands and, and by the wolves, you could say, and crucified and, and slain. That same word 
for received is used in John 19, 16. It says, Then Pilate delivered him to be crucified, and they, they took Jesus and led him away. That was necessary. Because Isaiah says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to our own way. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. And he, the good shepherd, was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And so now Peter, 1 Peter 2 says, He himself bore our sins on his, in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. He purchased them. He prepared a place for them. This shepherd was taken and, and, and killed so that his sheep could be taken to heaven to eternal life. And now he keeps them forever. All those who are still on this earth, he, he keeps. He says in John 10, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. And they follow me, and I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Every one of his people on this earth are kept by the power of God unto the, unto the day of their full salvation. And then he will receive them to himself. He will take them to himself. That great shepherd of the sheep who leads his sheep through the valley of the shadow of death, with which now is nothing else than the door into his eternal sheepfold. That passageway into the Father's house. That entrance into the place of safety where no wolves or enemies can ever reach him again. There he receives him to himself. That was his desire, that they may be with me. Through that valley of the shadow of death, though it can be dark, Christ leads them through. That's all the shepherd's work. He is a faithful shepherd. Can you say, the Lord is my shepherd? He assures us that by his strength, we will also enter into his presence. In the presence of the shepherd, there is peace. The baby will cry when a mother just leaves the room. It needs the mother's presence. Some children can't sleep if their parents are not close by, they have to sleep in the parents' room. It's just somehow they know that their parents are near. And as soon as you try to sneak out, they wake up, they sense it. And so it is with God's people. They need that presence. They know when it's not there. The Song of Solomon says, When I found him, my I found him whom my soul loves, and I held him. I would not let him go. The soul needs to hold on to the presence of the Lord. It's like we sang, For near thee all is well. That's what the soul needs. And all is well in the presence of the shepherd in the house of the Lord. And that is because in second place we'll see the shepherd's provision. The shepherd's provision in the house of the Lord. And first of all, the shepherd provides a full satisfaction in the house, in the Father's house. I shall not want it means never to lack again. Psalm 17 says, As for me, I will see your face in righteousness, and I shall be satisfied when I awake in your likeness. 
And there we read, He that is a good shepherd, he, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. This is God's place of eternal rest, that eternal Sabbath, which the Lord reminds us of each Lord's Day as today. He gives us a rest that looks forward to the eternal rest. There is a complete rest in a place of rest, in the full enjoyment of everything you need, and as if there's pastures full of green and lush vegetation. And there the shepherd leads them and guides them to the refreshing waters. In the wilderness of this world, these green pastures are only little green spots here and there on the hillside. That's where the shepherd leads his sheep so they can lay down and, and, and eat and, and be satisfied. But in the Father's house, there's eternal rest. And there's enjoyment without end. Revelation 7, they shall neither hunger anymore nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them anymore, nor any heat. For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to the living fountains of waters. Then there is a free and open access to the rest and to the provision in that new paradise. Revelation 22, and he showed me the pure river of the water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the midst of the street of it, on either side of the river, there was that tree of life that bore twelve manner of fruit and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nation. And that tree of life that Adam and Eve were barred from in, the, in paradise here symbolizes that, that eternal life. And it stands there with the twelve kinds of fruit. The shepherd provides full satisfaction. And the shepherd also, secondly, provides full restoration. Full restoration in the Father's house. Verse 3, He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His own namesake. That soul is brought back from where it was lost. The shepherd retrieved that lost sheep. And now it's restored to the perfection of creation that, the, that God in Genesis 1, declared to be very good. And the leaves of the tree of life were for the healing of the nations, for the complete restoration of everything that was damaged in body and soul. He restores my soul that was broken and corrupted in the fall, the soul that was separated by, from God by sin, the soul that was cast off forever by God because of our rebellion against Him, and that withered under the judgment of God, and banished from his very presence. Now the shepherd of his sheep comes to restore that which he did not take away. He gave his life to restore the life of his sheep. And he restores that soul to perfect righteousness. If you see how Christ healed the people in the New Testament, he would heal the blind. And when they opened their eyes, they could see perfectly. When he healed the mute, who had never spoken before. They could speak perfectly, never having learned to speak. When he healed the lame, they, they leapt up and they can walk and, and jump and, and leap, never having learned to walk before. The deaf could hear and understand, and understand words that they never heard before. There's a full restoration. And so also as people are restored and made in the likeness of Christ, 
not only clothed in His righteousness, but made like Him. We shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. We shall see His face in righteousness, being made righteous. Yet soul be restored to that perfect righteousness to a degree that we have never learned to walk in before, to a perfection that only God can give. And there the shepherd leads us in the paths of righteousness. And these paths, they refer to wagon tracks. In the original, it's, it, they're tracks, wagon tracks. Deep in, in the, if you see in, in the prairies or in, in the country, the deep, the deep grooves that the old wagons had made uh, where people drive because of the constant use of the, of the path. And if you go along that path, then you, your wagon will slip into those ruts, and that's where you'll stay. That's the path your wagon will follow. And here it says, the shepherd guides you in the path of, of righteousness, in the path of perfect obedience to God's law. These are the deep tracks that will keep you going straight forever, never to disobey, never to sin again, never to be able to sin again, never to be able to stray from God's path again like a wandering sheep. It was the greatest burden on earth of the believer is that our heart is so prone to wander. The hymn writer says, prone to wander, Lord, I know it. Prone to leave the God I love. But then in glory there's no more possibility ever to wander again. No more unwilling hearts. No more temptations to lure you away from the shepherd. No more lack of any good thing. No more inclination or desire to stray. No more wandering no more getting lost, no more woes, but fully restored to His image and His glory, and fully restored to the purpose of our, our creation, to worship and to praise Him. There in a presence, in your presence is the fullness of joy, Psalm 16 says, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore, to love and to worship God forever and ever with our soul, our mind, and our whole strength as we are created to do. But then thirdly, the shepherd provides eternal security in the Father's house. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Then, never to be out of sight of the shepherd again, always with him, always there. You see his rod that he holds up either to drive away the enemies or to lead his people and to guide you. It's like Moses had his rod to lead his people. Or you, see, or you see him standing there with his staff as the shepherd leans on it to look over his flock. And either when he walks ahead of you or when he watches over you, you know you are safe. He has banished all his enemies and he has you in his protection. And even through the valley of death, that dark valley where the darkness can be so thick you can feel it, and yet, with the shepherd near, he says, I will fear no evil. That becomes the entrance into the Father's house. Jesus said, I will come again to receive you to myself, to take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. The shepherd comes to take, to lead his people through that last valley, through that last door into his eternal sheepfold. And that deepest and darkest door opens up into the widest oasis that they have ever known. And there the shepherd keeps you in eternal safety.
You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Once through that gateway into eternity, into the Father's house, the enemy can never follow you anymore. And all the enemy can do is look from a great way off, as if, the, if you're like a lion looking, peering through, through the cliffs in, in a mountain and seeing the sheep far away on a faraway hill that they can never get to. And they see there the banquet that the shepherd has spread before them. And now there's a fullness of joy, never any lack, never any more threat that these enemies will ever reach them again. Eternal security in the presence of the shepherd forever. And now instead of enemies pursuing their soul as they do in this world, it says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And that word follow has the meaning of pursuing. The enemies can no longer pursue. But now what pursues them is prosperity and favor. Goodness and mercy shall follow you, shall pursue your soul. That's the covenant loyalty and the faithfulness of God. They will pursue your soul forever. On earth your souls are pursued by sin, by sickness, by enemies, by death, by fear. Christians are persecuted, pursued as if with lions on this earth. But in the Father's house, the only thing that pursues us will be mercy. Covenant mercy, everlasting faithfulness. And there you'll never escape the embrace of the arms of mercy. And faithfulness will hold you tight and never let you go. Eternal security. And fourthly, the shepherd provides an everlasting dwelling place in the Father's house. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, never to leave again. As the prodigal son left his father's house, he wanted to venture out into the world to live his own life. Like a wandering sheep, we've all gone astray. We wandered aimlessly in this world, estranged from God our Father. But when the son returned home, and he's received again into his father's arms, and that table was set with the best of foods, when he came home, he would never leave again. Never would he want to leave again. He had tasted the agony of being lost. And he felt the pain of being separated from his father. He knew the fear of being pursued by the enemies. And when you have tasted and seen that the Lord is gracious, once you've been taken and received into the fold of Christ, you'll never want to leave again. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There was great joy in the father's house when that son came home. There was music. There was tables of food and everything. And heaven says that the angels rejoice over one sinner that returns, that repents. And what Paul said when he was taken up into the third heaven, that in that paradise he, he saw, he heard things that are inexpressible. Everlasting joy in the presence of angels. The language that he heard, the, the songs, the words, are all inexpressible. And there was a glory and a brightness and holiness that, that we in our temporal bodies could never bear to see. Because John, when he saw the, the Lord in the Isle of Patmos, he, he fell down as dead. It says he saw the excited Christ whose countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. 
And Paul, on the road to Damascus, when the Lord appeared to him in the bright light, he, he fell down and was blinded. That is the everlasting, inexpressible glory that his people enter into. Revelation 22, again, there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. There shall be no night there. They need no candle, neither light of sun. For the Lord God giveth them light, and he shall reign forever and ever. There will be no more pain. There will be no more suffering. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying. There will be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. There will be no more sin, no more curse. And he that sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger anymore nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat. For the Lamb who is in the midst of them, of the throne, will shepherd them and lead them to the living fountains of waters. And there will be the everlasting, inexpressible praise and worship of the triune God. Revelation 7 says, Behold a great multitude which no man could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And the angels stood around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures, and fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might, be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Some get homesick when they remember where they come from. The prodigal son would have been homesick when he realized where he was. Others are homesick, thinking of where they are going. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen.